everyone. Welcome to another edition of Healthcare's Missing Link podcast. Where we help you discover those missing things that are stealing your best health from you. I'm Dr. Mark Sherwood. I'm your host today, as always. And it's my pleasure today to introduce a friend and a pastor who I've learned to really grow to love and respect. Pastor Nate Sweeney is a pastor at Catalyst Church in Northwest Arkansas. He is a many-time author, and his books all start out with abiding. So I'm going to look for him to talk about that in a little bit. But Nate has been on a journey himself, and from a pastoral and personal perspective today, we're going to get a chance to hear from the heart of a man who made changes and now is influencing many, many people around this nation. So Pastor Nate, thanks for joining us. I'm so appreciative of being here today. Yes, it's an honor to be here, and I'm overjoyed to uh, talk about my story to be a blessing to others. I have just, uh, I feel almost reborn again uh, in this season of my life with all the uh, transformation that God's done, not just in my spirit and soul, but in my body. So that's what we'd like to talk about. Everything is made new every day. I love that. So briefly, I mentioned the abiding series. Talk about the abiding network and and kind of what are you up to. I want people to really understand that. And later on the podcast, I want you to hold up your newest uh, projects. Absolutely. Uh, For me personally, uh, back in 2013, I started a ministry called the Abiding Network. And it was just the thing of obedience. Uh, I've always felt called not to just the local church, but the body of Christ. Right. And um God's just given me a huge open door. I just, I felt uh, when I was 16 years old, I, I just had a moment. I was leaving a friend's house and I just, I felt like I heard an audible voice tell me one day uh, you're going to pastor pastors. And I, I didn't even know what that, I'd never heard of a pastor of a pastor. And I didn't even want to be a pastor myself. And uh, lo, lo and behold, here I am years later, just had the the influence to mentor, coach, you know, disciple hundreds of pastors uh, through the body network, through Catalyst, as well as I sit on the the governing board of influencers uh, global. And it's just been a phenomenal journey. But years ago, I was introduced to this concept of uh, abiding in Christ. And John 15 went through a really, really difficult season, leaving my childhood church and realizing there was a lot of dysfunction. Um, A lot of things that I thought were God weren't God. They were just church. And so I basically loved Jesus, but hated the church. And I know that's (laughs) but uh, it it helped me, you know, in my journey to, to, to separate the two. And then Jesus reminded me that the church is his bride and I can't hate one and love the other. So anyways, I dove into John 15 for about a two year period. And just the Lord just showed me, you know, the gospel is simply boiled down uh, to that intimate abiding relationship with Jesus. He's called us to remain in him, uh, to live in him, uh, not to check him off like we do a list, but we are called to live in him all day, every day. And that's that's part of the transformation process is not just going to church once a week or reading a devotion in the morning, but remaining. The word abide means to remain. So remain in him all the time. And so uh, out of that birth, these series of books, just the abiding series, I got others I'm working on uh, that are going to be more theologically written to church leaders. But uh, these are just written to, you know, the average Joe in the church that that wants to understand what it looks like to abide in Christ. And there's multiple layers of what that looks like. So each one of them has a different uh, flow to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've got some in my office right now that some of our listeners have in their hands because I've given them to them. And I think it's amazing. You know, the simple concept of abiding is is interesting. It's saying connected to, connected in, staying within, staying in touch with. All those concepts fit. 
And it's really like uh, it's your power source, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I want to dive in this a little bit. I, I think you touched on this. Um, what What's your passion, man? What drives you? Because you're a busy guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, again, my life vision is to know Christ and make him known. And that sounds very generic, but I, but absolutely, that's it. Uh, I learned years ago, and I've written about this, uh, that I, I, I came out of a season and I realized there's not a lot of horizontal earthly things that distract me anymore. I, I love to hunt. I, I'm a, I'm a, I love working out. I love my family. I love community. I'm not talking about those things. Those are healthy you know, things in my life, but, but a lot of earthly things that are going to perish. I just don't get caught up in those. I, I'm, I'm, I love Jesus and I love introducing people to Jesus. And, and I've always had an evangelistic heart, but when you, when you go at it from an abiding perspective, it's not religion, it's not rules and regulations. It's not, what do I got to give up for Jesus? It's I, my role is to connect the head Christ to the body, to, to people and to say, look, there's scarred relationship between you and God. I'm just a mouthpiece for that. So I've got the best job in the world. I get to abide, remain in my Lord, and then take that relationship to others. And it is just a thrill of my life. And so uh, I love mentoring and discipling. And, and if if a lot of people, that word can can uh, provoke a lot of different thoughts. But the word disciple is a pupil, a learner, a follower, and a reproducer. So I want to disciple people. I want to be discipled and I want to make disciples. And so, and I want people that are disciples to learn to make disciples. So I'm a very accountable guy, very excitable, obviously passionate, uh, but I want to see Christ formed in them and then them discover their gifts and callings. And then through that reproduce and, and, and help others do the same. Well, it's, it's interesting. I was thinking as you were talking, you know, Jesus walking the earth, he was just telling his disciples how to abide in God. <laughs> that was it. He was just like modeling that. Just listen, stay with me here, guys. Stay connected and you'll do what I do. So, you, in other words, reproduction. You know, obviously, um, Nate, you know, we're friends. We've been on this journey together for a while and uh, we've talked about health. We've talked about health in the body of Christ. We've talked about health in America. Um from an observational, personal, and pastor's perspective, what's your take on America's health right now? <laughs> uh, you, there was a song growing up. I don't even remember much about it, but I, I just remember it was called Runaway Train. Um, and I think Soul, Asi- Soul, Soul Asylum or something. And it's, it's a runaway train. It's a train that's, that's still on the tracks, maybe or off the tracks, but it's, it's out of control. And obviously, you, it, you can't just stop a runaway train. Like It has to be slowed down. It, Whatever is in the path, it's going to destroy. And uh, I think for me, and I'll get it, we can get into this as much as you want later, just with my health journey. But um, even when I was told I was nailing it, knocking it out of the ballpark, uh, as an American male my age, when I got in contact with you, you said, okay, that's okay, but do you want to be average? You're really not healthy, Nate. And so even according to the American standards, I was doing wonderful and I was, you know, lost all this weight and, you know, I felt better, but I still had these chronic things and, and, and it was still not even close to where I could be because of where I am today, knowing where I could be. Uh, but it's just a mess. And, and I've just get frustrated within the church. Um, and I just wrote a new book about it. It's, you've got a copy. It's not out yet. It's not even published, but it, it talks about abiding in physical health and it's the supernatural and the natural, you know, side of things. We, I can't tell you the amount of people I've sat on their bedside in a hospital and they're just, they're saying the right things. They're confessing the word. They're believing God to heal them supernaturally. And they refuse to do anything in the natural because yeah. they got it in their mind that God's just going to zap them. And, and I see in scripture, God's a very 
he is a supernatural God and I believe him and I've seen it work in my life and the lives of others, but he's a very practical God of wisdom and principle and even dietary laws and things. He's a God that requires uh, discipline and obedience from us. And why would he bless something that he's already given us the authority and the encouragement to do on this end when we're not doing that? Why would he bless disobedience? And so I, I feel like for me, I didn't even have a grasp on this. Um, what's interesting in the church when I was doing a lot of research for my book, I'd never heard of this or seen this, but it was early nineties. There was a poll that was done by a bunch of, it was a bunch of Southern Baptist churches. And they were talking about the state of how unhealthy the Southern Baptist church is. And it talked about the culture and it talked about the potlucks and the donuts and the, you know, they reward people with unhealthy foods. And yeah. every time they gather, there's unhealthy foods. And, and so I think it's just, uh, it's, it's a chronic issue uh, that really goes deeper than even the foods we eat. It's 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 a soul issue. And that's what I try to tackle with people. With my journey, it began in my, obviously I was born again, my spirit's fine, but my soul was so unhealthy. I was dealing with junk. I, I would, I would, I had unhealthy habits physically because of my soul issues. So I dealt with my soul issues and it freed me up to deal with my, my physical issues. And on the other side, I, I still can't believe how healthy I am today. It blows my mind. Well, it's amazing because I think you mentioned the three um, elements of us as human beings, mind, body, spirit. And you talk about all those there. They are truly interconnected and interdependent. I, I think you'd agree. Well, what do you say to someone out here, Nate, who's, you know, obviously struggled with this culture? Because I think that's a correct analysis. There's a culture that's not just in the church, but in America that is um, – probably has a low bar of expectation regarding health. Um, what, what do you say? And there's, there's pastors, there's leaders that are listening to this podcast right now. They're going, yeah, you know, yeah, Nate, you're right. But what am I going to do about that? I think for me, I'm such a theology nerd um, that I always take it back to theology. And so I, I set out on my journey to say, is there even a theology of a physical healthy body? Because I'll lay out in my new book, wait a minute, this tent, it's, it's being destroyed. Like the Bible says we're perishing. The, 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 the things that we can see are perishing. They're fading away. So does God even require anything of me? So you have to start from the theological perspective um, and then say, if it is theological, which I believe it is, then I have uh, a stewardship before a holy God who's going to ask me to give an account, not just of my spirit and my soul, but what did I do with this temple that he calls the house of God. Yep. And I wrote a, I wrote about it in my book. I remember in the church growing up and even in, in the church here in Northwest Arkansas, uh, I remember there were people that you couldn't walk into church uh, and you couldn't be loud in the sanctuary. You couldn't wear a hat. There were certain things like, it was like we could have a party in the foyer, but when you walked in that sanctuary, like you, and and, and a lot of these people years later found out that they were, they were alcoholics. They were uh, chemical addiction. Some of them were sexually active outside of marriage. Like they were abusing their physical house but they thought the church houses where God lived. No, God dwells in us, he says. And so when you look at it from a theological perspective, um, then there's no excuse because there's a lot in the church that a pastor can get up and give his own opinions. But yeah. when you go back and say it's theological, now it's not a secondary issue. Now it's not something mm -hmm. that we have a choice in. It's something, well, wait a minute, God requires something of us. So I think looking at it from a theological perspective first. Well, so when you look at that, Nate, uh, so you've got this going on in the foyer and you've got this going on inside the building and you're there 
And it's it's almost reminds me of the scripture when Jesus went in the temple and he purged the foyer, if you will. He, he turned over the tables, you know, like get out of here. And then he then he healed people in the temple afterwards because that was symbolic of the presence of God. Is is that kind of what you're talking about? This temple being the presence of God, so therefore healing and health should be normal uh, output of abiding in Him. I think so. And and again, I, I'm very clear and cautious in my book and in my. In my journey, uh, there are things that are beyond the scope of medical science, right? There are like what on average 20% of, of uh, chronic illness in America is not preventable by diet and exercise. 80% is. So the 20% is where I believe we believe God for the divine healing aspect of it. And so I've got a daughter in that situation, which I can tell that story another day. But, you know, we've seen God heal her miraculously over and over, but then we do what we know to do in the natural. And so there's this. There's this gap to where, well, what if God doesn't heal? Okay, that's a conversation we can have, but why do we default to that? Let's look at what is God's pattern? What was Christ's pattern? When he healed people, never once was it called bad by God. It says he went about healing all who were oppressed and of the devil, and it was good. Like God called it good. And so it's something, even in the the Greek word for salvation, sozo, uh, physical healing is a, a one definition of that word. And so, um, again, there's, there's a huge theology uh, spectrum, and I'm not trying to fall in on either side. But what I'm saying, just looking at God's word, you see his heart for his people. Going back to the Old Testament, Jehovah, you know, Rapha, the Lord, or yeah, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. He's a God that heals and he pulls them out of Egypt as slaves. And it says there was none sick and feeble. And he talks about taking away our sickness and diseases. And again, I'm I'm not one who's hyper- healing, healing, healing. I'm a guy that says, I want to be a good steward of what God's given me, spirit, soul, and body. And body is a huge part of what he's given me. So I think it should be normative. Absolutely. Well, and you said something key, and I want you to repeat that again, because I've said it before and it's hearing it from you is important that even in your studies, you determined there was a percentage of disease processes that were uh, caused by or as a result of the contribution of our part, right? So that was 80%, you said. Yeah, on average, there was a lot. John Hopkins CDCs, but on average, it was about 80%. Yeah, and these are traditional medical models saying this, and I read those yep. same studies and I repeated them. Uh, but this is interesting because that's 80% that's our responsibility slash opportunity, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and what's funny, <laughs> again, I've, I've, when you learn something and you're on the other side, you can almost feel stupid. You can almost look back and say, how did I not see this? Because... These are not hidden in the closet. Like these are it's everywhere. And, and even when I started meeting with my doctor before I met you and he's giving me all these stats and I'm going, really? Like, I didn't know that it was that prevalent that we can actually by diet and exercise change 80% of, of people can change what's going on in their life. And again, there's a million reasons why we don't, you know, you know, the, the, just the driven by the flesh. We don't have a theological mindset, you know, the, the microwave mentality that I want it now, the indulgence, the, all of the things that we can, we can call out, but let's, let's sound the alarm. There's, this is something that I feel like I want to sound the alarm and say, we're hiding. People are literally hiding from something they can't see that has a, that has a less than 1% you know, death rate in America right now, this disease, whatever it is, COVID, whatever you want to call it. It's not even, a, it's not even a pandemic anymore. It's just, it's a joke. We're hiding from, we're making complete lifestyle changes 
and we're begging for a vaccine, why don't we look at the natural practical building our immune systems and allowing our bodies to do what they were created to do? And so it just blows my mind that we want a quick fix with a shot or a microwave mentality uh, when God's saying, no, there's other ways. And it's not this supernatural zap from heaven. It's natural practical. And I want to get your take on this because I was thinking about this today, you know, the faith is like a muscle. It has to be exercised. We've heard that in preaching church, exercise your faith, brother, sister, that kind of thing. Right. But we need to understand the immune system is like a muscle too. It needs to be exercised. If it's not exposed to anything that challenges it, it's not going to adapt. So that I want people to really get their brains around that and their minds and their spirit around that, because that's a very important thing. Our bodies are amazing Mm -hmm. creations that are made to adapt and overcome is it god's will then nate sweeney that people walk around that are believers healthy i believe so yeah i think you can see that in scripture clear uh i believe uh there are extenuating circumstances that we don't see that and in scripture even and you can say okay there's not a lot of clarity in that. But again, people want to take the exception and make it a normative rule. I think you can look from Genesis to Revelation and you can see the heart of God for his people to prosper, be in health, soul prosper, physical health, all of those pieces. And I don't think, again, I want to be so careful because I don't want to be misquoted because I I believe uh, certain ways, right? I think it's clear, but I don't think it's as much supernatural. I believe it's more natural. Again, I believe in the supernatural. I trust God. I've seen him do the miraculous in my life, my kid's life, people at the church. We're always going to believe God for that divine healing, but I'm not going to ask God to do something that a person's unwilling to do. You know, hey, God, heal this person because they're just making bad choices. So um, scenario is this, and, and I want you to walk through the scenario, and, and because there's a lot of people that walking in this pathway, uh, coming to a house of worship, they're chronically asking for prayer for type 2 diabetes. They're about to get their foot cut off, and they're having heart disease as a result of that, and they want God to heal them. They're asking for prayer. How do we pray for that person? Uh, I think that's a... Uh, very uh, personal, unique uh, to every situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me personally, I am a kind of an in-your-face guy. I, I don't shy away from conflict. I, I enjoy conflict because I think it gets us through the muck and helps us get to the other side. If it's someone that I have relationship and know what's going on with their unhealthy lifestyle, I will call that out. I will say, look, I'm going to obviously believe God in this moment for something because you're at a rough spot. But let's go backwards and say, how can we believe God to give you the the discipline, to give you the wisdom, to give you the knowledge to make the choices that ultimately reverse where you've been, if that makes sense. And so I believe I've done this for years. Well, not on the physical side, because I'm just, you know, I'm only two and a half, three years into this. But on other areas where I've said to people, look, I will pray for God to do something in your soul. But we've talked about why haven't you gone through a step study over a year? Why haven't you, you know, your soul's unhealthy. Why haven't you met with a counselor that I set up for you? Why, why have you, because your soul is a mess and you've got to deal with these things. Why have you not? And so at some point, there's there's very, pe- very few people 
um, that I've actually refused to pray with, but some I have over the years. I've just said, look, I'm not going to just pray some some generic prayer when all along you've you've neglected to do these things in the in the natural. Now again, I have great personal relationship with those people. It's not just someone walking off the street. Uh, I'm always going to anoint with oil and pray for the the miraculous to happen. Uh, but behind behind that, there's there's a conversation of so. So what can we do? Uh, a money situation. People say, well, you know, I'm I'm struggling financially. Okay, we'll help you as a church. And then we'll ask God, but then let's talk about a long-term plan. And so many people, we offer to take them through Rams. We offer to help them even get them in, in, in a better place. Well, no, I don't want all that. They just want a one-time fix to get them out of the, to relieve the pressure. And so I'll say it this way, Dr. Mark, I feel like sometimes pastors, church leaders can be like drug dealers. They give people just enough to ease it. And then they keep them coming back. And they like that. They like that people are dependent upon them. And I'm going no, we want their dependence to be upon God. We want them to self-feed. We want them to learn to self-make these decisions. I'm not a drug dealer. I'm a Jesus giver, a Jesus yeah. dealer. And so I, I don't get my worth by people coming back to me. I get my worth in him. And then it drives me to connect people to him. And so I don't want to give them a quick fix, even if it would ease their pain for a moment. I want to say, I'll help you here. But what else can I do on a long-term plan, if that makes sense? No, that's a, a really... Um intriguing answer. I know it's going to get people scratching their heads because you, you said something there that um, took some courage. You know, uh, it's like a drug dealer, you know, in a sense, it, it brings about a, a codependency, if you will. Codependencies never yield a fruitful relationship. They yield a subpar relationship. And, and God doesn't, uh, we, we're not codependent upon him. We're, we're, we're interdependent with him. It's a whole different concept. And I think you, you nailed it right there. When you look at this type of teaching, and we're talking about a type of teaching, and and I've listened to you, you know, really respond well, and I'm excited about your new um, project, Abiding in Physical Health. Is this a responsibility, in your opinion, for church leaders to teach? I think so. I think, um, I think just like any other topic, if a church leader doesn't get it, uh, there, for many reasons, they won't they won't own it and, t- and teach it. But um, I've said for years, just just watch what what pastors will preach and what they won't preach, and you can tell what they're struggling with. Because yep. sometimes they'll hammer something all the time because they're struggling with it, and they're thinking that through their preaching it'll get them better, or they'll neglect to teach things. And so for me, it's it's an absolute yes. Uh, but I think getting tools in their hands and helping them in their stories, again, helping them however the church is led, pastors, elders, you know, deacons, whatever that looks like, but helping them see the, the theological necessity um, that, that we could make changes in our church for our people. Nate, in your own journey, um, and we've talked about this many, many times, spent many hours in this conversation. What's been the, uh, the biggest realization or light bulb moment or epiphany moment in your own personal health journey? Man, this is something that um, I heard years ago that that just stood out to me. Um, and I don't know why in the last maybe couple of years, it's just been stirring back up in me. It's not what you don't know that'll get you. Because if I don't know something, I can go to Dr. Mark and I can get, you know, it's what you don't know that you don't know. If you don't know that you don't know it, you're never going to accept it or reject it, if that makes sense. And so if I don't even know that I, that I don't, if I'm ignorant of something, 
I can't look and say there's there's no hope. There's no uh, there's no rejection. There's no uh, changes that can be made because I'm just walking along either blissfully ignorant or I'm walking along oppressed because I'm just going, well, there is no hope. And and I got to that point physically. And you know my story. I was a disciplined individual when it came to the knowledge that I did have. And I did things very disciplined and I saw, you know, minimal results. But my doctor's cheering me on saying, OK, you're doing OK. Like, OK, well, that blood pressure, we'll just get you some pills and you'll be fine. You know, that heart, that, that burn that's going on. Yeah, we got you some pills. No big deal. But man, Nate, you've lost five pounds in the last year. Your cholesterol is a little high, but that's OK. Like you're doing better than most Americans. And and it was just it was this cycle of almost insanity to where I almost lost hope. Until I was introduced to you, honestly, and I don't, I don't fluff your feathers. It's just a God divine appointment. And so, if I can be that mouthpiece to somebody else, I'm not a doctor, but I can, I can bring theology and then help so send them to somebody like you. I think I should be talking about it as much as as I can, right? I agree with that, and I think we're we're talking about we we must understand that that we're talking about the greatest physician of all. And we have access to the greatest medical textbooks and medical teaching of all with our Lord. And we have everybody, every believer has full access to that. There's different giftings, of course, which we operate in, but it's all for the good of the body of Christ. I'm going to ask you a, a kind of a funny question right now, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, paraphrase a little bit because I know the answer would be a little bit a hot topic, but this is not about uh, judgmental. This is not about anything. This is just, I want to get your honest take in that. And, and I'll give you um, two words, donut ministry. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's one of those that um, it's just, it's, is it an oxymoron? I mean, are you, are you really doing that? Um, that's something that, that has changed for us in our culture here. Just even the amount of things that, um, I'm, I'm a leader that leads, um, when it comes to clear black and white Bible primary issues, I will get in people's face and I will fight, you know, but when it comes to, uh, other less prevalent issues, I would put this, a, a, a secondary issue to a lot of people. That's the way they view it. And so, mm-hmm. um, and it's a very sensitive issue. So I lead by example, but when I'm invited in, I'll, I'll blow the trumpet. Right. And so yeah. we've had many, uh, I've made statements within our, our leadership here and our staff. And, um, uh, and and so we've made some changes here. Now, in addition to that, my lifestyle has helped others. I have other people in the church and on staff reaching out over the last year. Hey, how, what do I do? Uh, how, how do I have the life that you're leading? What, what does that look like? And uh, But one of the things that's interesting is, you know, we had Celebrate Recovery for many years here. And, you know, most of the time we would do these dinners for them and they were they're completely just horrible, unhealthy food. And then after having funny celebrate recovery and we're feeding them horrible. Hey, we're going to get you off of chemical addiction, but we're going to feed your food addiction. Right. Yeah. And, um, but I came to one or I was, I was talking with one of the leaders about how they had changed their entire menu up to be more healthy as well as offering healthy options and removing the unhealthy options. They saw the picture of we're feeding people's addiction. We can't do that. And so that's one area that, that absolutely has changed. But when you say that, Donut ministry, it, it's just funny to me because that's that's church culture or potlucks. You know, it's it's everything's got to be celebrated with food or, you know, again, I don't have a problem with food. It's the fact of what food, you know, what are we encouraging with people? Well, I agree with that. And, and certainly I think uh, it, I want our listeners to really understand that 
you know, food and the, uh, the chemicals that are in there and the way food marketers have done it is they have created this food to be almost like a drug driving mm-hmm. dopamine and driving dopamine as much as cocaine, the drug does. So we do indeed trade one addiction for probably the greatest addiction, which is this dopamine driven uh, food addiction that's hurting so many people around our, our country. Um, so you've seen this change in your, um, your church there and your leadership. What change have you seen in your family? Same thing. It's very, um, well, again, we were doing a lot of things before sporadically and um, inconsistently because we just weren't seeing the results, but uh, it it wasn't for a lack of discipline. It was just a lack of knowledge. And um, even just my 17 year old daughter just uh, making some changes recently um, based on what she's seen and some things going on in her body. And she's trying to figure it all out. And um, even showing our kids how uh, taste buds can change and how food can be fun and how uh, we can, we can moderate, you know, and, and we can, um, we can level out the things in our lives. Uh, you don't have to stop enjoying food to the point where I got kids making smoothies at home, you know, that have protein and fruits and, you know, and that's the kind of stuff for me that just, uh, that's exciting to me, you know, because um, and not just at home, but so many of my friends and different ones, acquaintances just asking me my story. Now, I'll, I'll tell you, and I don't know if we'll get to this later, but uh, people, most of the time, the response is, I can't do that or that's too much or now, nah, isn't, isn't there, did you just take a pill or did you just like, they don't want, they don't want to hear the story. Like they start tuning out very quickly when I talk about, you know, the lifestyle changes because it's it's not what they want to hear. Like they wanted, oh, I thought it was just a, a multi-level marketing thing that you did that, you know, that got you to where you are. So yeah, I've seen a lot of changes in the church and in the family and, and, and beyond that, even just helping people, I'll say this to, to the church area and just across the, the general spectrum. Um, you, this will answer another question earlier. I feel like food addiction and the unhealthy lifestyles is one of those acceptable um, addictions. It's one that, again, that's less. And I put that in my new book. I come from a family of addictions and I refuse to, to go down the path of some of my other family members. So I've, I've protected so many things. But when I was going through my recovery and, and realizing food was an addiction to me, it was and, and it was worse. You said it, but I figured out it was worse than some of some of the things my family were doing, the chemical stuff and all the others. And so helping people see that this is not God's best and it's not an acceptable lifestyle, even though the mainstream tells you that it is. What do you say, Nate, to a person who would uh, and I've had this happen to me and I, I know how I respond. I just want to get your take on it. They say, you know what? Nate Sweeney, uh, you may be a little healthier than me and you may live three years longer, but I'm going to enjoy my life and I may die three years less. What are you going to say to that person? Well, there's a lot to that because I've actually had some of these conversations and I put it in my new book. Just the I I always joke with people. um, Well, the joking side to get serious um, is, yeah, you'll you'll probably get there quicker than I will. You know, I mean, you're going to meet Jesus faster than I will. Um, But you said something to me, uh, one of our first meetings that that has stuck with me and I use it all the time, uh, you know, because the argument is people are living longer. And I say, no, people are actually dying longer. And so it's it's about standard of living. It's not about the fact that we're taking longer to die. It's that our bodies are dying over a longer period in the sense it's not thriving. It's not health. It's I mean, when you've got to just 
you've got all this chronic stuff going on. It's not a thriving lifestyle. It's not an abundant life, in my opinion. It's not, you know, uh, I desire that your soul prosper and you be in health as, as your soul prospers, right? Third John. I, and so I, I feel like that's the response I, I tell people um, on a regular basis is that um, that and then I'll go into the but what about the stewardship piece? Because I got into it with a guy a while back and and he just kept making it. Well, when it's my time, God's pre-appointed it. And and I said, but where's your theology? Where, where are you getting this from? And he just kept laughing it off. Well, there was a lot of insecurities in him because he's had a lot of, you know, chronic issues that are very much avoidable. Now, again, there's some that aren't, but his are very avoidable just with lifestyle. And he said, I'm just going to enjoy it. Well, what other area in our life can we just say, okay, God, that's great. You've told me to do this, but I'm just going to enjoy the rest of my life. Like, where else can we tell God that? Like, but in our bodies, it's like, well, it's just going to happen. It's going to happen. I don't buy that. Yeah, it's interesting. We, we've joked a lot, you and I, about the concept of cheating. The yeah, only yeah. time and the only country it's accepted in is its time in America with food. <laughs> and food. it's not acceptable in any other part of life. We think uh, we from spiritually, emotionally, whatever, we, we think that cheating is not okay. And we somehow, our culture, you said the key word earlier, our culture is swung that way where it's acceptable. But let us not, and I want you to comment on that, let us not forget that Jesus and his followers, disciples, were all counterculture. Yeah. They did the opposite. They looked different, acted different, breathed different, probably even ate differently. So comment on that, would you? Well, just to that real quick, to ate different, and I put that in my new book, just so much of the, the Jewish dietary laws were specifically for the entire purpose of showing them these are a different group of people. God is their God, not these others. And so that's a whole nother conversation we can get into whether or not we're to keep the Jewish dietary laws. I'll address that as well. But it, it, it's, it's crazy to me um, how upstream um, I'm a Christian and there's people that have given me a really hard time about my beliefs because I'm constantly talking. Uh, there's people that say, oh, we agree to disagree. But on this topic of food, I'm telling you, it's it's so divisive. Yeah. Um, just I mean, in the last few years, even people, you know, making fun of me at a men's event, you know, because I'm eating a salad and a, and a healthy meat and like literally poking fun at me saying, well, what kind of woman diet is that? And I'm just looking at them what do you mean by that? But then we go out and do sports and I'm one of the few guys that isn't sucking air the whole time. Like I have energy and I'm, I feel great. I, I didn't, wasn't sore the next day. Like, what do you mean? And so it, it is a constant upstream. I've been, I've been surprised at how upstream it really is. Dr. Mark, uh, people aren't, they say they're happy for you, but when you dig in, it's like your success exposes something in them. And so there's now that there's this, this kind of, Mm, no, I don't, I don't like that, you know, and so instead of saying, man, you're doing great and wonderful, it's you're exposing something in me. So I think it becomes it's fine as long as the mirror's on me and they can just think, good job, Nate. But when the mirror turns around on them, I think and again, rightfully so insecurities and fears and addictions. And I address that in my book. Look, I'm a compassionate, empathetic. I'm a shepherd. I'm a pastor. Like I want to get I want to take my shoes off because it's holy ground and say, how can I get into care for your soul. I am not a browbeater. I'm not a legalist. I'm not a mean individual, but I am an accountable person that says there's a standard that Jesus gives us that can be better. Um, you choose not to, that's fine, but I want to, I want to point people to the better. Well, and you, you are a passionate, um, individual too. Uh, and it's, it's apparent because you have learned to be comfortable in your own skin because you're abiding with Christ, with his teachings. And 
we talked about this a long time ago, even I've had this happen in our lives. You know, we've been walking this battle, Michelle and I, for a while. And uh, we've had people sit at the dinner table that, you know, they'll say, I feel so guilty around you. But we didn't have said a word. And it's and they don't really want you around anymore because it it's not you. And I want people to understand it's not Nate. It's not Mark. It is. It's Holy Spirit's presence and it's bringing knowledge and awareness to something that they know that is, could be better. And uh, there's a resistance there, I would guess. Would you agree with that? I think so. And again, I think um, all of those things, the reactions are secondary responses to something deeper. And so there's fear in there. There's insecurity. There's a shame, you know, and, and God never, God wants to deliver us from fear, insecurity and shame. Right. Yeah. And so if, if that's the source of those things, then let me provoke you, help you see those things to deal with them, uh, to come out of that. But you're exactly right. It's because I've gotten kind of put out a few times and I just have to remember, wait a minute, I'm comfortable. I, I thank God. Um, I've actually been, I was at a, at a, a table one time and people were just asking me, I mean, they were so enamored by my story and, and, but about halfway through it was, well, I could never do that. Well, then the joke started. Well, then it was, well, you're just, you're making me feel condemned. Yeah. All I was doing is answering questions. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you brought this up. I did not bring this up. You, but I'm over there just trying to just enjoy my water. Right. That's all I want. <laughs> Nate, it kind of sounds like it reminds me of Jesus teaching throughout the, um, the gospels. He was just telling the truth, man. And he was doing it in love. And people still got mad. Yeah. They still got offended. Yeah. Um, it's so I, I think you know that confirms that we're on something. These are some of those um, perhaps trials and troubles that we face because <laughs> it's an emotional battle, isn't it? When you're dealing with that. Yeah. One of the hardest ones, Doctor Mark, has been um, realizing how much people. I used to joke that food was my love language. It was a sixth love language, and I sure felt loved because. I have my wife you know, from Louisiana cooks amazing. People are always bringing sugar by the church, uh, all that stuff. And so I always felt love. But when people then would, in, you know, be so thrilled by my by my changes, man, you look amazing. You're healthy. Da, da, da. Hey, when, when we're out at dinner, hey, I made this for you or I brought this for you. Well, hey, you know, that just doesn't fit into my overall diet. Well, then they get offended. And now well, you're not going to eat what I made. No, I'm not. Like I have to tell them those have been hard because people literally get offended. I'm like, yeah, which is it? Are you th- are you glad for me or are you not glad for me? Because now you're saying that you want me to eat this unhealthy food, if that makes sense. Now, another story that's totally different that you'll think is hilarious. Uh, there is a running joke now um, that people come to church on Sunday mornings and they bring me bags of vegetables where they're bringing cookies to others at times, or it used to be people would bring me, I, I love eggnog. Like I haven't had eggnog in years, but I used to drink eggnog by the half gallon. Just loved it. Well, they're not bringing, they're bringing bags of vegetables and it's just people are like, what is wrong? I'm like, this is not wrong. This is great. That's awesome. Vegetables from locally sourced farmers, you know? You're changing the culture over there. Actually, I should say, let me correct myself on that one. You're allowing God to use you to change the culture. So that's really cool. Man, you know, you you are a busy guy. Um, I want to hear about, um, you know, your most recent book. And then, uh, you know, if you got it there, hold it up because I want people to really get that because I've got it sitting right here by me actually right now. And then I want to hear about maybe um, perhaps if you can. Um, your next project coming up. So uh, The Abiding Disciple is the newest book, and that's that'll be my fifth book I've authored. And, and I've authored a lot of mini books that are on Amazon, uh, A Blueprint for Your Life in Christ. 
This one, there we go. This one is just a basic introduction to the abiding principles. And I created this book for basically uh, a new believer or a seeker. It's actually, you can buy it and give it to a friend who's, you know, I'm kind of curious about Jesus and your religion. You know, it's simplistic, but it's very theological, but it's more of a story form. Um, and then beyond that, um, which project? Like I got seven books that I'm currently working on. Uh, and I've always- Seven books? Seven books. Yeah, I've got- um, I've got three books in a new series uh, called The Anatomy of the Body of Christ, and they're more theological. And they just basically go over uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4 that just talk about the functioning of the ministry gifts and the leadership in the church and a, 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 uh, the governance of the church and then the spiritual gifts and what that looks like. Uh, but my next book in the Abiding series is The Abiding in Physical Health. It's done. Uh, I'm getting it copy edited now. And then um, I'm about three fourths of the way through abiding in the gospel of Christ. And it's it's a solid gospel defense through the grid of abiding. And then the next one I've got, it's about a probably a quarter of the way done. It's called abiding in uh, biblical prosperity, just a healthy. What does it mean to be in biblical prosperity? Not this hyper faith that God wants me to have a million cars and all that. What is biblical prosperity? What did Jesus mean when he said, I want you to have an abundant life through the eyes of abiding? Um, and then the next one is um, abiding in honor. I've been studying the topic of honor for many years. It's just something that's lost in our society. And the Bible talks about it over and over and over. Um, and so those are some of the projects that I'm working on now. And that's in addition to all the, the content I'm, I'm putting together for the church and uh, the abiding network and stuff. Nate, what, what was your body fat percentage when you started? And then what is it now? Uh, almost 27%, 26.9 or something. Uh, and it's 11% as of May. You are the smartest 11% body fat person <laughs> I've ever met in my life. Um, I think our listeners are going to agree. There's no way somebody that fit can be that smart, but I think you've done a really good job of, um, of certainly um, exemplary allowing God to work through you and in you and to you. And he, you, you really just epitomize this thing. And I, I consider it a, just an immense honor to know you and immense honor, even better to call you friend. It's great. Um, how do people, you know, and if you're in Northwest Arkansas, it's that you need to get over there to Catalyst church seriously and connect, but how do people connect with you? How do pastors connect with you with, uh, with all you got going on? So the easiest and best way is abidingnetwork.com. So it's just the word abidingnetwork.com. And on there, the vision of the Abiding Network is to uh, assist leaders uh, in creating platforms of discipleship uh, to help their followers know Christ and make him known. And through that website, you can find there's coaching, uh, our, our Amazon book pages there. We actually have uh, a thing called the Abiding Life podcast. Uh, we've had 57 episodes now. Once a week, we put out a podcast on iTunes, on um, Spotify, and on our website. We have leadership podcasts, video and audio uh, we have a uh, version apps like that's a big deal. I didn't realize we've got, mm -hmm. I think, over 25,000 downloads of our version apps or not apps, version devotions on their app. So we created some of those and there's other content. Um, and then there's there's some other little blogs and things. But there's a lot of information there, especially for pastors uh, and church leaders, but for everybody as well. But my heart is just to help. If I can help a church leader, I've now affected multiple if it's 500 people or 5,000 like you get you get a church leader to see some of these things you can affect a lot of people and so that God's called me to church leaders and that's what I have a heart for so that's amazing what you know there's 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 leaders out here now that are, are church leaders there's business leaders 
There's people that are family leaders. I think we all fit in that category somewhere. Yeah. Um, what words of encouragement do you have for them? Because this has been this is a um, a tricky subject. Mm-hmm. It is a somewhat weighty subject and very um, it can be polarizing. Yep. So, what words of encouragement do you have for people uh, on the topic of the health side mm-hmm. specifically? Um, I think personally. Um, everything I do, I tell people, go back um, and just talk to Jesus about it. If you feel peace and Jesus is okay with it, you don't feel conviction. Like I'm not talking about you're ignoring God, but if you can sit down in prayer and you can get peace from God uh, with the lifestyle you're leading with any topic, this is abiding, right? You're just remaining in him. Then that's good. But I'm sure there's something in your life he's going to put his finger on because that's he's always pruning us. He's disciplining us for our betterment. It it says pruning produces kingdom fruit. He says discipline removes sinful things. These are uh, if he loves you, he's going to discipline you. So there's always something and just be willing and obedient to whatever it is he shows you. And on the topic of health, um, I, I think it's so vitally important to start start very small and clearly document what's going on and celebrate big. So start small and celebrate big. So like with you, like with Dr. Mark, I, I had small goals at first, which were, were very big goals, but they were, they were very uh, short periods of time. And then we celebrated big. And that's something that um, I think people say, well, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Well, you know, no, no, let's start with I'm going to do a cleanse. I'm going to start on a 15-day cleanse, and I'm going to see what my how my body responds, and I'm going to run five miles a day. No, 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 no. Why, why don't you start walking? Why don't you know? So, so start small, but celebrate big, and then before you know it, you'll look back and you'll say, "I did not think I could ever be." At least for me, I'm further than I ever thought. In ministry, in life, my family, my, like I'm married so far out of my like I'm uh, way out of my ballpark. I mean, marriage and family and in ministry and with my health, like when you just take it a little bit of time and walk with God, that's what I tell people even about divine health, wherever you stand on, if it's God's will to heal or not, just submit all of that to God. Why, why do we have to definitively put it on, on stone that this is what I believe? Why don't we say, God, I'm struggling here and I'm going to submit this to you through an intimate abiding relationship. What is it I need to do? And I'm telling you that's he, he walks with you and he, he helps you find freedom in the areas that he wants you to find freedom in or heals you in. And so again, I know that's more than one little thing, but just take it small um, and celebrate big. And I love that. And um, I, I really sincerely thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on today and, and uh, doing this podcast. Cause it's been um, an immense amount of, of information and, a, and a, quite a depth too. So I know people are going to be listening to this over and over again. And I really do want that. Um, so again, thank you. And I, I know people are going to connect with you uh, and I can't wait to um, get into your most um, recent project for a lot of reasons. I'm excited about that. So um, from my wife and I, Nay, to you and Monica and the rest of your family, just we're, we're grateful for you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And I've said it to you. I feel like I owe you, you know, God using you. Um, I, I'm thriving today healthy uh, because of you. And so uh, thank you. And it's an honor to be on the podcast and uh, to give me voice to your listeners. Amen. And we will continue. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you for uh, joining us in our podcast today. If there's one thing I always ask you to do at the end of these podcasts is subscribe so you can find out what's coming next. Just like we talked about today, don't let those things that may be hidden or sneaking in or maybe the things you don't know about still your best health. We look forward to seeing you next week on Healthcare's Missing Link. See you next time.